Welcome to the first episode of our four-part little podcast series. We're going to be covering the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks, or Gila, as it is bolded on the front page. Um, I'm Kyla. And I'm Neha. I'm a sophomore this year going to Metro. And I'm somewhere in between sophomore and junior. I'm not sure. Um, (laughs) So we are going to be covering the first ten chapters. Yes. So... We divided the book into four different four different parts for four different episodes. So our first part, our f- first podcast, will be focused on the first fourth of the book, so chapters one through ten, which, um, in its basis, uh, it is about a young college student who finds interest in Gila. And decides to give a face to the name and research who Gila was, finding out that it was Henrietta Lacks and that she lived a wondrous life with horrible, horrible travesties upon her family because she was Gila. So the first 10 chapters go into detail about how the um, author, how she found out about Gila how she started contact with the family, and then also beginning the story of Henrietta Lacks. I would say there were many challenges that Henrietta and her family faced, and there are many strengths and weaknesses that can that we can touch on, and what type of a person she was, as well as her family, and how they dealt with this whole situation that came to them. It was incredibly unfair. It, yes. Yeah, they gave the family nothing for even all that even now yeah (laughs) even now they're they're living in poverty and it's 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 horrifying um but yeah so I think that we should get into some um little notes about it so to start out something I thought was really interesting about the book is it explains a lot about cell culture um and that is in both the sense, the culturing of cells and also the culture <laughs> surrounding cell science or cellular science. So I just thought it was really interesting that the push for a lot of scientific research in cell culture was the discovery of immortality that pushed a lot of it throughout history. And that was the, the driving point for many scientists which is how they discovered Gila because the main doctor in charge of was studying the the existence and the life of cells and trying to keep them alive, trying to keep them going. Yeah, outside of the body. Yes. So, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting even with the chicken heart which we'll touch on. Um, but do you have anything else about that? I have nothing else to say about that for now. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting to point out. Because it's something that you don't hear a lot about in general science studies, or at least I haven't so far. Yeah, I haven't heard of that yet until I read this book. Mm -hmm. And it was a huge basis, just um, the immortality of cells in general. So that's a good point. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. And then I I can go back to the chicken heart thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So apparently (laughs) this French scientist who was also a horrible guy. So, basically, he supposedly created an immortal chicken heart with um, 
what I think were cancerous cells because they kept regenerating and they wouldn't die outside of the body. So the issue with this is that it didn't happen, obviously, because later there was discovery that he was faking it the whole time, whether intentionally or unintentionally, he was faking it the whole time. And um, I just have a quick question. So if you can create a heart that is immortal, even though it, you couldn't, if you could, then you could technically create an entire body out of cancerous cells, which means there would be a lot of harm to the body, but it would never die. Yes. That's so true. if you had the opportunity, do you think you would be immortal? Mm, that's a good question. I already have my answer, so. <laughs> I'm going to go with no. Same. Because, okay, in general, immortality sounds great, but it would be horrible. It would be watching everyone die around you, and you'd yes. also have a ton of back, like biological backlash from all of your cells being cancerous. <laughs> yeah, because if That's someone right. has a small tumor, that can kill them. Imagine your entire oh, body being cancerous. That would be horrifying, I think, at least. I agree. Interesting question. Yeah. I think more about that one, but my answer for now is going to be no. I think... So about the book, the book in general. I don't believe the book did... I know we spoke earlier just a little bit. We mentioned that the family still has nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't believe the book did direct good to the family, but I, I do think it was a good... It's a good book from what I've read so far. And I think um, Rebecca Skroot, the author, did a good thing writing this because it shed more light and brought a face to this whole Hilo situation and um, what the families might have gone through, what they still are going through, what Henrietta herself went through, and again, the whole situation surrounding the fact that her cells were taken uh, with no consent. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, she didn't, they didn't obviously directly um, benefit from the book being created, mm -hmm. but the fact that we're talking about them is enough benefit in my eyes at least, because mm -hmm. then that would inspire people to go out and help these people and start maybe GoFundMes or whatever yes. they might create, because the fact that we know about it now is good, because research... Um, and the spread of knowledge is always important and beneficial to all, and especially in this case, when nothing was known about her. So I yes. think that's important to note that it, it didn't do nothing. <laughs> I think it did a lot. Um, reading the book, I saw that you would search up Hila or Henrietta Lacks and nothing would pull up and now there's a whole book out there i think it's really interesting and there's a lot more to come but i think the book was a good start i think so too anything else nothing from me i'm going to take this back a little bit so i haven't exactly formed a, an opinion yet for if the use of the the hela cells and their current and their contribution to modern day sciences and researches and all was proper but I, I do think there's a huge difference between moral rights and legal rights and legal reason. So mm -hmm. although all this was technically legal, there's a lot of discussion to but be made. But was it? 
about the the ethical rights aspect of mm-hmm. this. So now we can go back to the financial aspect. But real quick, I want to go back to the legal situation. I'm not entirely sure that it was legal because you have to have the patient and family's consent to take a sample of someone's cancerous tumor. I mean, yeah. and use it for research purposes. You still have to have that uh, consent from the family. Like, that if you want to not... donate something to science, donate a body to science, you have to have consent. Yeah. That consent was never there, and I I still don't think there is. Yeah, so That's exactly. crazy to me. But I'm pretty sure legally that you have to have consent, so... But I'm not entirely sure, obviously. I think um, so, too, so... That's a... Either way, ethically horrible. Yes. So if you wanted to get back to the financial situation. (laughs) Um, So, all right. Well, um, we can get into the the town that they lived in. Which um, I, I think that this town really showed the level of respect that the scientific community gave the family. The fact that they still lived in this town. I know we talked about the benef- the beneficiaries of Henrietta Lacks' legacy. But let's talk about the financial situation for a moment. Because that is just... It, it shocks me, honestly. The fact that they would still have to live in... Turner Station? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, there's a lot to say about that. Oh, for sure. They lived in Turner Station, so we see that it wasn't the best place, Um, especially after... This is so shocking to me that they have nothing, or they had nothing, and they still have nothing, which which is so surprising after um, even no consent put all this behind but this is now a multi-million dollar industry as the book says and as we know so yeah and um the fact that the family only had the one photo that was in a magazine of their relative is crazy to me because I know that my family has tons of photos of me Mm -hmm. so the to imagine that in this place they only have the photo that was in the magazine of this person that's just that's just insane to me that that's all they could put a mental image into their mind of this person they only have the same photo so they don't know what she's really like yeah they know what she looks like in that photo which is on the front of the cover um standing tall and proud but that doesn't mean she was always like that exactly because um, a picture t- can tell a thousand words or whatever they say, but it can't show an entire life. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. I think there's a whole... I hate that she's kind of portrayed in only one singular way. You can't really tell. Um, so, agreeing. I, I like the whole book, and I didn't say mm-hmm. that the presence of the author was disturbing or inappropriate or anything like that but it did jump around quite a bit so that made it a little bit tough to read the fact that you'd have to pay close attention to the timeline at the top of each chapter to figure out when it was because 
The first chapter starts in 1951, and then, and then it jumps to 1920, back to 1951. And you stay there for quite a bit and continue on to the... And at one point it goes to 1999, to 1940, to 1951. It jumps so frequently, even in just the first 10 chapters, that it makes it a little bit hard to keep track. But... It's still an amazing story so far. The yes. fact that I could still understand what was happening and mm-hmm. the background as well as... It felt like multiple timelines were just matching up and you were seeing... You only got a little bit of each and then eventually you would be able to put it together and get mm-hmm. a full story. But it's an interesting way to tell a story. It was put together... I was able to put it t- together really easily even though it was jumping around a lot. And I like that... Some, a few chapters were the background of um, Henrietta herself and her family, and some, some of them were stories about um, Rebecca Sloot, the author, um, which was really nice. I got background from everywhere. And I also realized that the author, she, she uses the same slang, and she uses the same terms that they used, and the same... Um, she spoke the way that they did back then. That was, that was cool to me. I know she mentioned that she did do that. I thought that was really interesting, but... I'm surprised about how easily the family accepted her because of the history with reporters. Yeah, I saw a lot of racism to a certain extent. And I think the book being written by a white woman changes the narrative. Mm -hmm. It makes it to a lot of probably publishers and everything because they're Mm -hmm. a lot of the time racially motivated or racist in shorter term um it makes it easier for this story to get spread but it also does uh, make it harder for her to get information because she's going into a primarily african-american town and getting information at a place where reporters were not welcome because of mm-hmm. how heavily they had ruined the family b- previous to that. Yes, I, I remember um, their family was completely tired of so many whites, white reporters and researchers um, calling and asking for so much information. Um, I think it might have been a little disturbing but yeah. to the family, but... Um, like even the um, Henrietta's husband, right? Yeah. Answered the phone and like, I I forget what he said exactly, but he said something along the lines of like, um, I don't want to talk to you, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that, and then hung up without mm-hmm. hearing her. Um, or the fact that one of the cousins answered the phone and could tell immediately what she was talking about because, um, I guess, the intonation was more white sounding so Mm -hmm. he yeah so I think that was interesting yeah so if we're talking about race I think um that may that might have made it harder for her to get her information gathered but maybe um uh, put her down an easier route for the whole publishing aspect Mm -hmm. of the book but that it I think that would have affected the whole story and narrative a little bit Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, that was the first episode. That was the first part of the book. Um, and next week we will get into the next episode, part two, which is chapters 11 through 20. Ooh, I'm excited. Me too. I really like this book so far. Same. Well, thank you for listening and have a nice day. <laughs>